You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dhamini and you're listening to Gender Question. Here we will look at an issue that's in the news using the lens of gender. The idea is to take a blind spot and throw some light on it. In the last episode, we spoke about the gay and lesbian social groups that began to emerge in the 1990s. Even as some feminist activists began to think of section 377 as an impediment to human rights of individuals. The language of trans identification and the conceptual understanding of gender as a spectrum was still some years away. But for the more visibly non-cis groups like hijras or masculine appearing women or feminine appearing men, popular culture was rife with ribald humor and stigmatizing stereotypes. that were often expressed socially in very violent ways in fact in 2003 the karnataka chapter of the people's union of civil liberties actually released one of the first reports on human rights violations faced by koti and hijra sex workers proving how social stigma was actually experienced by the end of the 1990s however a political mobilization around the identity of lesbian had occurred with the protests around the vandalism of uh, fire posters as i had mentioned in my previous podcast fire was a film that portrayed an intimate passionate relationship between two adult women and members of a right wing political party began to attack theaters that screened the film in response to this several human rights feminist and lesbian groups came together and held demonstrations now this was around 1998 In July 2001, four outreach workers of Bharosa Trust, an HIV/AIDS prevention group based in Lucknow, were arrested under various sections including 377. Anand Grover and Indira Jaising of the Lawyers Collective managed to get these four men out on bail. The case against the four men continues to this day, though section 377 was eventually dropped. Their crime distributing condoms to prevent the spread of the aids virus a targeted intervention activity that in fact was endorsed globally as a valid means of managing the epidemic anand by this time had fought and won a landmark case on the right to discrimination free employment of hiv positive people as a result his organization's offices also came to represent a safe space for many individuals of marginalized identities a lot of gay men started coming to our office in mumbai and then delhi etc and your stories were really very very disturbing and heartrending if i may use that phrase hmm. a lot of them were being blackmailed blackmailed by their family blackmailed by their casual partners or sometimes even uh you know long standing partners mm. and of course blackmailed by the police in our office we reasoned that mm. this was because of 377 now in the meantime the abva petition filed in 1994 had lapsed the aids bhedbhav virodhi andolan or abva in new delhi had filed a petition asking for the repeal of section 377 After debates around Kiran Bedi's decision as the then superintendent of the Tihar jail to disallow the distribution of condoms 
to prisoners to prevent the spread of HIV. Now, in many ways, the arrest of the Bharosa Trust outreach workers seven years later came from a very similar place where stigma overrode public health concerns. One of the men arrested in Lucknow, Arif Jafar, said that the 47 days that he spent in jail were the most traumatic of his life. Now, these arrests sparked an outrage among members of civil society and many, many protests and demonstrations were held against these arrests. In fact, lots of national and regional newspapers also wrote articles about the arrests. Of course, though not all of them were necessarily against it. Soon after the arrest of Jafar and his colleagues in 2001, Nas Foundation, another HIV-AIDS prevention organization based in New Delhi, filed a petition in the Delhi High Court against Section 377, asking not for its complete repeal, but its reading down, which is basically to say that the law remains in the law book, but it becomes inapplicable to consenting adults. Nas was run by a firebrand activist named Anjali Gopalan, who had seen the AIDS epidemic break out in the United States in the 1980s while she lived and worked there. And thus, she decided to set up an organization that helped HIV-positive people when she returned to India in the mid-90s. Nas Foundation also played a very important role in providing actual physical space to emerging gay and lesbian social groups in New Delhi. But the Nas petition, right, that was filed in 2001, did not have an easy go of it. Three years after it was filed, other groups like Joint Action Committee Kanur, which is also known as JACK or JACK, which were in favor of keeping the law, uh, you know, the complete law, they intervened and the Delhi High Court dismissed the petition. Anand Grover, in fact, had filed this petition on behalf of Nas. And he recounts its journey for us and also the community consultations that began soon after the petition was filed. The petition in the Delhi High Court was dismissed. Okay. And uh, after its dismissal, we thought that it is right time to have a consultation because now the community must decide itself whether we should proceed ahead or not and whether we should file a review petition. And decisions were taken to file a review petition. And then the review petition was dismissed. And the decision had to be taken as to whether uh, a specialty petition should be filed in the Supreme Court. And it was done on a consultation. Uh, so, and there were extensive discussions on the merits and the demerits of these, uh, uh, these uh, tactics to be adopted in the court. And right up to, uh, there was a consultation also before the arguments in the Delhi High Court. Now, in 2005, the Supreme Court directed the Delhi High Court to hear the Nas petition. A year later, the Ministry of Health filed an affidavit in support of the petition. Now, at this point in time, the irony was that the law ministry had already opposed the petition earlier. This was also around the time, this is the mid-2000s, when a newly formed coalition of human rights groups called the Voices Against 377 filed a supporting intervention in court. What this group did, and it was a group that comprised several human rights groups, including groups against child rights abuse, queer groups, feminist groups. So they all got together and they also managed to uh, get affidavits of support from a wide range of people, such as mental health practitioners, 
family members of LGBT people, academicians, and even, in fact, members of the community themselves supporting, that is to say, the NAS petition. Of course, on the opposite side was Jack and also uh, BP Singhal, who was a prominent Bharatiya Janata Party member and, in fact, even a former member of parliament. Now, both sides presented their case. But, you know, let's also remember and keep in mind that this was the time when India was also undergoing a lot of changes. The 2008 elections, for instance, brought about a change in guard at the Home, Law and Health Ministries. And so finally, the government stand was aligned vis-a-vis Section 377. And it came out also in favor of reading down that section. Also, between 2008 and 2009, as you know, we have already said, by this time, lots of community consultations had already happened. Many members of the community had come across from different states, come together to really debate the law and debate their own position vis-a-vis the law and how the law affects them personally and really deciding future course of action. And this is no small deal because this idea of the community coming together is a big one and how the law brought this community in some ways together to think of themselves as a community. Well, that's the subject of a completely different podcast altogether. Also between 2008 and 2009, six cities across the country began to hold their own pride parade. And in 2009, on July 2, a bench of justices Murlidhar and A.P. Shah delivered what is considered a path-breaking judgment, which was known as the Nas judgment, which read down the law so that it did not apply to consenting adults. Justice A.P. Shah, in fact, noted how the LGBTQ community had been turned into a community of, quote, unapprehended felons on account of this law. And thus finally recognizing that simply because a law exists in the law books, it doesn't always mean that it protects its citizens. The judgment realized how laws can, in fact, exclude. The Nas judgment was also a tremendous moment in Indian contemporary history because it signified how marginalized groups can bring about huge changes when they collectivize and protest against prejudice and discrimination. But then, in 2013, after an appeal by Singhal, Jack and a few other religious groups, the law was brought back. In our final Pride episode next Monday, we'll talk more about that. If you have any questions, do reach out to me at the Red Dhamini on Twitter. You can also leave your feedback at HT Smartcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.